Welcome to another edition of Touring the AFC South. I'm your host, Mike Patton. I want to thank everyone for listening to the show, wherever you're listening from. If you like what you hear, whatever platform you're listening on, go ahead and subscribe and hit that notification button if it's available. And if you're listening on Apple Podcast, please go ahead and give me that five-star rating and review. Thank you in advance. Now on to today's show. We've got a good one for you today. We have two big injuries, QB injuries in the division. And for diagnosis on them, we take a visit to the doctor's office as Dr. Aaron Wilson stops through. And with all the talk about Urban Meyer this week, I figured it would only be right to speak with Jags beat writer for the Florida Times Union, John Reed. And we're going to, you know, get to him later, talking about a little Urban Meyer and Jacksonville. But up first, we got the early hits as we take a look around the NFL. First, we got some news on the young quarterback stepping into the starting role. Plenty have been waiting on Justin Fields to be the starter in Chicago. And with Andy Dalton suffering a knee injury last week, Fields has been named the starter for the Bears when they take on the Cleveland Browns. Now, I will say it's a tough debut since the Browns' defense is pretty good this year. But it will be interesting to see if this is just a spot start since the Bears continue to say Andy Dalton is a starter if healthy or if Fields plays well and they cannot take him out. Because if he plays well, you just can't do that. You got to keep playing with the rookie because he is the future. It will be interesting to see the strategy moving forward, depending on how Fields plays. Definitely something to watch. While, of course, Fields is taking the field and heading into the starting lineup, Tua with the Dolphins is headed out of it. The talented second-year quarterback left Sunday's game versus the Buffalo Bills with a rib injury that was further diagnosed as fractured ribs. Tough news for the Dolphins and Tua as they are still trying to figure out what he is and he's still trying to figure out himself in the NFL. Tough break for him and I wish him a speedy recovery. Last and certainly not least, plenty are speaking on the taunting rule. Plenty do not like it and how it's interpreted and plenty think it is hurting the game. The Seahawks recently got one against the Tennessee Titans, and it, it def- definitely aided Tennessee uh, in terms of moving down the field and, and ultimately winning the game. Whether we like it or not, as fans of the game, it's here for this season, and it's up to the players to adjust. Simple things. Don't get in someone's face. Don't get up and clap at someone or the opposing bench or do any type of gestures towards them. You know the NFL is enforcing it a little bit more this year. So don't put the ref in the position to make that call or even think of it. 
Now, am I saying I agree with every taunting call that happens? No, I don't. What I am saying is players have to understand that it's being called and adjust. And no matter what happens, we all know fans are going to complain about whatever is going on on the field. That's our quick hits for the week. Next up is a run-through of the AFC South for the week that was and the week that's coming up. I'll be right back after a quick break. This Thank you all for coming back. We're going to dip into the AFC South and talk about what all is going on with our four teams there. We're going to start with the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans lost to the Browns last week, and of course they lost their starter in Tyrod Taylor. We're going to talk about that a little later in the show. Uh, but the Texans were in that game, honestly, with Tyrod, and you know he, he was doing his thing. He was running, he was throwing, doing everything. And, you know, so far they've looked better than expected, better than anyone thought they would look. A lot of people had them as the worst team in the NFL. We're seeing different so far. Well, right now, actually, they do sit tied for the lead in the division with the Tennessee Titans. With all that good news, though, there here comes the bad news. Ricky Davis Mills came in and played for Tyrod Taylor last week in the offense did not have the same dynamic. Now, Mills starts again this week, and this time he takes on a stout Panthers defense on a short week as they play, of course, tonight again in Houston. The biggest thing the Texans can hope for is their defense to have a strong game, and it's entirely possible under defensive coordinator Lovey Smith. Tough week all the way around for the Houston Texans, It'll be interesting to see how this game goes, and especially how Davis Mills handles himself on a short week against a really tough defense. Speaking of watching how things go, Urban Meyer watched his Jags lose to the Denver Broncos at home this past week. Jacksonville fell to 0-2, and there has been some questions lingering around the team early. One question many may start asking is how long is it going to take quarterback Trevor Lawrence to get going and adjust to the NFL? You know, currently he has two multiple interception games to start his NFL career. Of course, things are not going well in Jacksonville with the Arizona Cardinals coming to town and the pieces that they have on offense and defense. It could get that much worse Mm. we'll see what happens speaking of things getting tougher the Colts themselves have started off the season 0-2 and now they have another injury to Carson Wentz Carson Wentz uh, is sporting two sprained ankles now and to add to the injury the Colts lost their second straight game at home 
NFC West foe, this time being the LA Rams. The good thing, they get a break from the teams in the NFC West for a while. The bad thing, they're headed to division nemesis Tennessee this week. One thing we can certainly count on is a physical game, and it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the Colts respond facing 0-3 to start the season. And finally, physical was the name of the game with Derrick Henry last week, especially in the second half when he was handing out stiff arms and giving fumes to the Seattle Seahawks defenders as he got rolling in the second half of the game last week. The Titans were down 24-9 and came back to win 33-30 in overtime and avoid starting the season 0-2. Of course, many did not expect them to win that game. A lot of people going into it had them losing. Um, you know, it, it's interesting how they win games that people don't think they can win and happen to lose games that people thought they were going to win. But I digress. This week, they have the Colts, like I mentioned previously. And, of course, with Carson Wentz potentially out this week with two sprained ankles, I would say he probably is going to be out, but we don't know that for sure. The odds do favor the Tennessee Titans. Can they win with odds favoring them? And have they found themselves after a really bad first game? Sunday will definitely Show us. That's been the run through the AFC South. Up next, we head to the doctor's office. Talk about two quarterback injuries in Tyrod Taylor and Carson Wentz. You're listening to Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. That's witty. Welcome to Touring the AFC South. I'm your host, Mike Patton. And, of course, you know, within a long NFL season, injuries can occur, uh, some lasting longer than others. And of course, you know, to get a little bit more clarity on two key injuries to the AFC South, of course, two quarterbacks, I figured it'd be time to bring back someone who is well-versed in the human anatomy. That would <laughs> be Dr. Aaron Wilson. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing just fine, doing just fine. Now, this week, we had a couple big injuries. Of course, the most talked about injury, injured quarterback is AFC South quarterback and Indianapolis Colt quarterback, Carson Wentz. Now, of course, he made it back early to camp from the foot injury we talked about in the, in the earlier episode. Right. Now, he sprained his one ankle in the first half and sprained the other ankle in the second half. So now he's dealing with two sprained <laughs> ankles. Uh, of course, right now, the Colts haven't given really any update. I don't think they will. Probably play coy until, you know, game time, of course. Um, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, like, are those things, that uh, ankle injuries, are those something that can actually just linger on the entire season? Well, I mean, for him, it's kind of – 
we don't really know just because of the previous injury he just had hurt earlier in the year. So he did come back from that. But remember when we talked about it in the earlier episode, you know, depending on how that metatarsal fracture healed and what actually is the true status of that, as far as the stage of healing and his pain tolerance, if he's still dealing with that, you know, it can affect the mechanics of the foot, the way he's planning, the way he's walking, the way he's running. So anytime you're kind of altering the mechanics of your foot, it's going to translate up to the next joint, which is going to be your ankle. So we don't really know kind of where he was starting to begin with coming from that injury. But I mean, when we talk about ankle sprains, that's such a general term. And so it's kind of hard for, you know, the Colts and and they're doing the smart thing. You know, they're just going to keep everybody in the dark until they really want to release what's going on or know, want us to know for sure what's going on. Cause you, you can, categorize an ankle sprain by either the manner in which it happens, so the mechanism injury, whether you roll your foot in or roll your foot out, or you can either categorize it by the severity of the sprain. So basically a sprain is just an overlengthening, a stretching or a possible tearing of the ligaments, you know, the connective tissue that connects the ankle bones together. So it can either be a first degree, a second degree, or a third degree, much like how they stage burns. So if it's a first degree, we're thinking, you know, maybe they'll be back in a week, two, three weeks. You know, the common person, everybody's had an ankle sprain, a first degree ankle sprain before. You know, you rolled your ankles, stepping off of a curb or, um, you know, running or anything like that. You can take care of that at home generally. You know, rest, ice, compression, a little ankle brace, elevation. Everybody kind of knows how to manage up first degree sprain and nine times out of 10, if it was a first degree sprain, it wouldn't really be much to talk about because from Sunday to Sunday, most NFL athletes can recover from a first degree sprain, you know, having rehab at the facility twice a day for seven days. You can generally get back from that. When you're talking about second degree sprains, that's when you might have a little partial tear in the ligament. So you're going to have more pain, more swelling, more tenderness, you might have some discoloration there where it's sprained. Going to take a little bit more time. And, you know, the severity goes further. You When you're talking about third degree, that's when you usually have a tear in the ligament. And so that's when we're talking about something that could be chronic, something where you see people who say, you know, they wear ankle brace all the time. You know, if they're on their ankle too much, you know, it swells. And so it's just a repetitive thing. Um Ligaments in the ankle typically have a poor blood supply. And if you remember, we talked about the metatarsal fracture, you know, blood supply is key because if you don't have blood supply to the area, then you can't promote healing, then it won't get better. So we're really kind of in the dark as far as what type of sprain it is, the severity of the sprain, whether it's an inversion where his foot fell in when he sprained it or an eversion sprain where his foot fell out. So all of those things kind of play a role in how you'll dictate his treatment when and how we'll come back. And because both of them are sprained, we don't really know much of anything. But I mean, one thing for sure, I'm pretty sure his previous injury to his foot altered his mechanics somewhat and kind of predisposed him to, to ankle sprain. I mean, so I'm not surprised. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, you know, we're, we're, we're like you said, we're in the dark with uh, what kind of ankle sprain it is. Um, now, even with that, is there any, some things he can do to rehab his ankles and make them as strong as possible, even, you know, with 
all the previous injuries and not necessarily knowing what the well, um, you know, again, we kind of don't know at this stage. He did it Sunday, so you know it's four days from now. So during this time, it's still acute. So you still have swelling, you still have pain. You know, if it's a second or third degree sprain, he may or may not um, be able to put a lot of weight on it without pain. Um, when you have swelling, especially in the ankle, because it is a smaller joint, when you have swelling, that's going to decrease your range of motion. So your first goal in rehab is going to be to eliminate swelling so you can increase your motion. You know, your ankle moves in four directions. It points down, which is plantar flexion, points up, dorsiflexion, in and out, inversion, and eversion. So you're going to need to regain all of your range of motion before you can even start strengthening because without flexibility, there's no mobility and you have to be mobile before you can be stable. So once you get your range of motion back, then that's when you can start trying to focus on, you know, uh, calf strengthening and tibialis strengthening and single leg exercises, balance, you know, working on getting his proprioception, things like that. But you have to, we don't know kind of where he's starting from. So we kind of don't know his progression and how long it's going to take, but that's generally, you know, the manner in which you kind of progress. Gotcha. gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. You know, well, of course the Colts are hoping Wentz plays this week and doesn't miss any time. But of course, like you said, we don't know. Nobody really knows except for the Colts, <laughs> but right. another quarterback. That's how I have it. <laughs> what's, what's that? I said that's how I, that's how I would have it. I mean, that way the team doesn't know how to prepare. That's true. That's true. But you know, another quarterback that was uh, a quarterback that was having a good start of the season has to sit out a minute, and, I, and I'm 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 sad for him because he was having a great start to the season. And that's uh, Tyrod Taylor. Of course, mm -hmm. he was playing well, made a run Sunday, grabbed his hamstring. Uh, I think they the issues have got him on the IR now, the short term IR for at least roughly three weeks. I hate it for him, but you know, of course, how serious could this injury be? Uh, you know, with him missing time with the hamstring, three weeks, things like that. How how serious could it really be? Um, I mean, they're pretty painful, and then you also have to think, you know, when you look at hamstring injuries, a lot of athletes who have them. Um, it's usually a recurring thing. Like I would, mm, I don't know his medical history, but I would guess that this isn't the first time that he's pulled his hamstring. Um, basically the hamstring, you know, it's going to be an overstretching of the muscle that kind of has, creates little micro tears in the hamstring, which is a collection of three muscles on the back of the leg. But most people, when it happens, they complain of a real uh, sudden pop or a tearing sensation in the back of their leg. Most people who pull their hamstring, they absolutely know they pull their hamstring. It's one of the most painful things that I've ever heard people talk about. Um, so some people would be like, oh, I pulled my hamstring. No, a lot of times when people pull their hamstring, they're usually not walking off. They're usually being kind of helped off because if it's a severe enough pull, you know, a lot of people can't even actively straighten their knee, right? Um, so it's a lot of swelling. It's a lot of tenderness. Um, sometimes, depending on how bad it is, there's discoloration in the back of the leg. And it's also measured by severity. You can have a mild strain, a, a moderate strain, or a severe strain. 
And if they're talking three weeks just off of the bat, it's probably somewhere in the moderate range. So, um, you know, for the first week or two, they're just going to keep them off of rest. Ice it, you know, anti-inflammatories. Once he's able to kind of move it, walk on it, you know, with a little less pain, you know, they might move into kind of um, working him through massaging, you know, trying to stimulate blood flow, get rid of scar tissue, you know, and then they can kind of work on seeing where he's at at that stage, working on getting him back. But it is a very, it's very painful acutely. And more often than not, if you have a moderate to severe hamstring pull on a Sunday, you won't be back the following Sunday, not playing, not playing quarterback. Gotcha. Well, yeah, you definitely answered uh, the things, of course, you'd have to do in rehab in terms of like, you know, massaging and things like that. Um, are there any other things he can do in terms of trying to rehab it to get back? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people and a lot of a lot of therapists and orthopedic surgeons in the field, they seem to attribute the hamstring pull to muscle imbalances around the joints. So back to anatomy, your hamstrings are two joint muscle. They cross at your hip and your knee. So they're responsible not only for knee flexion, bending your knee, but also hip extension. So it's the main decelerating muscle in the leg. So when you're doing a lot of sprinting or you're running or for him, when he's scrambling or leaving the pocket or trying to make plays with his legs and he goes to either slow himself down after going really, really fast or change direction after going really, really fast. If you don't have the correct muscle balance, you know, as far as strengthen the quads, strengthen the hips, strengthen your hamstrings, you know, that can lead you predisposed to pulling your hamstrings. Um, you know, and it's very common for athletes to have the muscle imbalance. You know, a lot of people don't like to stretch their hamstrings. They just like to go out there and start working out. Um, a lot of people prefer to strengthen their quads and their hips, you know, versus strengthening the hamstring. Nobody's just running to go and get on the hamstring machine. You know, even the average person, you know, when you're talking about even the average person that likes to work out so many people jump into a new routine without having the correct muscle balances around their lower body. And that's how people predispose themselves to injury all the time. But it's almost, it's so common in the hamstrings because nobody really works their hamstrings like they're supposed to. So um, whoever's doing his rehab will probably do a functional movement assessment on him, kind of assess, you know, his strength and his flexibility of his hamstrings versus the strength and flexibility of his quads, his glutes, things like that, just to make sure things are in order because it doesn't matter how strong you are. If you're not flexible, you're not going to be able to move. So, Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Let's say he does come back and, you know, he's still kind of, you know, not comfortable in his hamstring. Um, that kind of, you know, what things, you know, would he be limited? He'd be probably be limited to the things he could do in terms of leaving the pocket, things like that, correct? Would it limit, like, his passing as well? Um, It just depends. You know, it depends on how his pain is. You know, you got to think of the things that are his strengths and what he's used to being able to do. And, you know, you kind of, even if he comes back, you don't want to put him into a position where he's playing 
he's not playing the position like he naturally would, you know, which isn't necessarily just standing back there and, and, and throwing the ball. So um, he's going to want to get that hamstring all the way well because that's another injury that has a high reoccurrence rate. When people try to come back prematurely from a hamstring pull, they almost always, always repull it, and then they're back at square one. So um, when you're talking about the leader of your team, that's not really anything that you want to be lingering. You know, you don't want him to come back in two weeks and then, you know, a month down the line he pulls it in, you know, because that's just not – that's just not a, a him not being able to run and move around and decelerate and do the things that he's great at. That's just not something that he'll be able to do with a recurring pulled hamstring. Gotcha. 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 Well, you definitely have answered my questions when it comes to uh Tyrod Taylor and uh, Carson Wentz, you know, Carson, another injury, another month, another injury for him. And of course, Tyrod Taylor, you know, he gets his chance, he's playing well, and then this happens. It just seems like those things keep happening in his career. But hopefully – Yeah, both I mean, I mean but, well. I mean, at least he doesn't have a punctured lung this time. So that's – Yeah, that's yeah. That one that's, that one is uh, some of the stra- – one of the strangest sports injuries. <laughs> you know, he, or you just wonder if they did it on purpose. I, I In my mind, I, can, I keep wondering that. But I mean, know, that was so random. Very much, very much. Well, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for coming on. And, uh, you know, uh, we're going to keep rooting on the Seminoles, just like uh, I'm going to keep rooting <laughs> on the Vols. But, uh, man, it's hard, man. We're 0-3. I think only us and, like, Arizona are the only Power 5 schools that don't have a win. I mean, it's hard right here, as you, can, you can't you can see, but I'm, I'm repping Emory, my other school, today. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Uh, you know the 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 Tennessee Vols are two and one, but they also got to remember they're getting ready to go into the SEC schedule, and they don't have a, a game that's probably going to be like a cupcake game until November. Oh, so, so y'all haven't had y'all haven't had a conference game yet. Nope. And the first one is Florida this Saturday, so that'll oh, be uh, nice and fun. <laughs> I remember when that used to be a good game, a competitive game. Yeah, it's it it, it 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 might be a little interesting this this <laughs> it, it, it not necessarily a good way. <laughs> I wish you guys the best. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Same same to the Seminoles. Hopefully they'll they'll get it back rolling. We got Louisville this weekend, so you know, they put up a lot of points last week against UCF and came out with the victory shatter. Now I'm I'm gonna do a little bit of praying this weekend. So we'll see. You gonna break out the voodoo doll as well? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't practice that. <laughs> but uh, thank you for your time. Got to wrap everything up. And uh, you know, you've been watching uh, twenty uh, or listening. I'm sorry to twenty ASC South with your host Mike Patton. This Welcome to Touring the ASC South. Welcome back, I should say. Uh, of course, I'm your host, Mike Patton. And, of course, we're going to head a little south to 
Jacksonville. And we're going to talk to Jags beat writer John Reed. How's everything going, man? Everything going good, man. Everything in the circumstances of covering an over two football team. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Now, you know, definitely has been a, a few interesting things happened this week and not necessarily with the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I will say that uh, it's been interesting, definitely listening to a few different things that have been popping up around, like, uh, of course, the Urban Meyer watch. Let's might as well get to it. <laughs> the Urban Meyer U- watch. USC fired head coach Clay Elton. And one, the one name that popped up first, Urban Meyer. He yeah. promptly responded that he was not interested. But is he really not interested? Well, for the moment, he's not interested. But, you know, I mean, we got to go through a season, too. I mean, you, you, you're probably going to see his name surface a whole lot between now and the end of the college football season, you know. USC is a prestigious job. That's a job that he's, you know, I mean, it, it was one that he spoke about a couple of years ago as one of the ones that he would be interested in going to. But, uh, you know, when you get asked that question in a room with a room full of media in Jacksonville, I mean, what what do you think he's going to say? <laughs> you know, he's, I believe he's got like a seven-year contract. And uh, I, I don't foresee this expanding i know national media say i mean they've been watching this body language they've been watching a whole lot of things but from the inside perspective i i don't think that he's gonna up and leave and go take that job in usc i do believe him but you know i mean he's been i mean you know he's lied before (laughs) But, (laughs) but i don't think that um that's something that's going to pop up where he just all of a sudden leave. You know, my concern is this, man. If they go 0-17 and he feels that, you know, he make his own evaluation of himself and, you know, he, he feels that he can't be successful in the NFL, then I think that would be something to really dive into after the season. But I, I really feel he's committed to Jacksonville for at least this season. And, and I think you have to watch to see what kind of college jobs come open and, and how well he coaches this team. And um, if it's a disaster, which, you know, so far is looking like a disaster, then I think you really, really have to reevaluate that after the end of the season. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, as far as Urban Meyer with this team, of course, you know, the team has started 0-2. Uh, have you seen any cracks in his demeanor from the beginning of the season and even the preseason to now? <laughs> Yeah, I see many crack, cracks. You know, the crack that I see is that he really got a up close and personal view that this NFL league is a lot tougher than what he anticipated. You know, I I really feel that they made some mistakes personnel wise, and you know, the bottom line is you can be the greatest coach in the world in the NFL, but if you don't have the talent to match up against the talent that you're facing on Sunday, then you're gonna have some issues. And obviously the offensive line, they 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 went on continuity. They didn't go on talent. They they got some problems there. They haven't been exposed with a lot of sacks, but you know, he's getting Trevor getting pressured out of the pocket a lot. You you look at tight end, I mean he doesn't have any targets going across the middle of the field. And um, 
I really feel that, I mean, when you start hearing things about, you know, my biggest concern is, like he said today, is having a good locker room. And you start hearing players as such as Shaq Griffin's after that loss Sunday saying that he walked, personally walked around the locker room and spoke to the guys who had their head down. When you look at a Jaguars franchise right now that's lost 17 games in a row from last season, um, yeah, his demeanor has changed a lot, you know, because I, I, I really feel personally, I, I believe he's a little bit above it. You know, I mean, I mean, he's got to learn this game <laughs> and you, it's hard for a head coach to come in this league and he's on the, on the job training. You know, they got a situation this week where you play a tough Arizona team and you got to come back four days later and then you got to go on the road and play Cincinnati. He's never had to, that situation in college, you know, how to do it, how to manage how to manage the schedule and all those kind of things. And uh, he's a little bit above or over his head a little bit, you know, to put it quite frankly. And, and you know, it, it, it's going to be a situation like what is his demeanor if they 0-6 <laughs> as opposed <laughs> right. to being 0-2. So um, right. things are kind of on the bleak side here in Jacksonville. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, um, you did mention Shaq Griffin and uh, going around the locker room with players now. You know, that's one part of it. Now, how, you know, how do you think overall the team is kind of just kind of handling how they started so far? What is it? It's horrible. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, let's cut through the chase. I mean, you go to Houston where it was, you know, I mean, this team is not projected to win a whole lot this season. But, you know, one of the six or seven wins that they might have been projected was going to Houston on opening on, on you know the season opening and, and beating a Houston team and you know they they got humiliated I mean they couldn't line up correctly you know the pre-snap problems and they had 12 guys in the huddle they didn't look like they were just so disorganized you know it, it was a little better this past week but um you know the, the demeanor is that man these I mean Irvin can't afford to lose this team you know all the all the hype and the, the praise of we, we got us basically a savior coach and and he's gonna do this you basically all his success in college you know never having a losing season never lost two games in a row and when you come in here now you know all that optimism from this fan base from january through to that opening game of the season it's just like <laughs> I mean, this team doesn't look any better than the one last season that went one and fifteen. So you, there's a lot going on here. I mean, he's got to handle the emotions of losing. I mean, he's got to handle you know, injuries. I mean, bad decisions from the previous re, uh, regime. I mean, it's it's a whole lot of things going on here. But you know, I mean, I always say this, Mike, man. In Jacksonville, to me, even even when they won in 217, for the time that I covered the team here, the, the fan base is at times is too optimistic and at times a little bit too pessimistic because you got to have reality. You know, you can't go one and 15 and come back and, and be a playoff team. And that was the conversation here this spring of just on Urban Meyer alone, you know. I mean, when these guys didn't go out in free agency and sign a big-name tight end or didn't get a big-name player other than Shaq Griffin, well, that was kind of like the writing on the wall. You know, this is going to be a rebuilding situation. And the one thing I fought this organization, 
even for since 218, since that 217 season, you have to be honest to your fan base, man, because you allow your fan base to believe this and believe that we're going to be this, you're going to be that. You're going to be in for a letdown. And right now, this friend fan base is, is, is in a major letdown. You know, I mean, you got a franchise quarterback, but you can't, you don't have receivers who can catch. You, they're dropping passes, you know. You got to work on putting talent around this kid. This kid is a great quarterback, but if you don't have talent around him, he's marginal. I mean, he's just a normal, he's just another quarterback on a, on a roster. So you got to do roster building, but you also got to tell your fan base that this is not a, you know, a, a, a one all season, sign a couple of guys on the defensive front and be, you know, playing against Tennessee and, and team in the end, you know, the Colts and being a playoff contending team. And I think that was the, a misjudgment on the franchise to have these fans thinking that oh we we gonna turn it around in one year. This is probably, in my opinion, this is probably about a three-year rebuild. If he's if he's around, he may not be want to stick around. And this is Urban Meyer. He may not want to stick around for a three-year rebuild. He may not want to stick around if they go one and what one in sixteen. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Gonna be interesting to see. Also, you know, going forward, uh, you know, you you kind of alluded to it a little bit. Uh, how do you expect the team to handle things and the things and the feeling around the team going forward? Well, they got to win, Mike. I mean, that's the bottom line. Winning cures a whole lot. If you go, I mean, come on, let's be realistic. Arizona has a lot more talent than a Jacksonville has. You know, they got Kyler Murray, they got JJ Watt, they got Chandler. I mean, they got a lot of talent and they're winning. And if you just go into this game, this is second back-to-back home game, and you just get totally humiliated and embarrassed, then that's not a good thing. Then then you turn around four days later and go play Cincinnati. And Cincinnati, not bad. You know, they're not Arizona talent, but they're not bad. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at well, being 0-4, and, and then it's just – I mean, I saw this last year. This, this team went out and won that opening game, and then they, they lost 15 in a row. And then you got an inexperienced coach – a head coach who, you know, he never lost in his life. It's one thing to win, but it's another thing. How do you handle losing? And I don't know if Urban Meyer knows how to handle losing. I don't know how, if he can motivate a team that's losing. I mean, you know, know, when you're successful, you can do a whole lot of motivational things out the bag when you see the results of that motivation. When you losing and you're doing this and you're asking the players to do this and do that and you're not seeing success on the other end, I don't know. Urban Meyer never been in this situation before, so that that's the problem in my opinion right now is how is this team going to handle the emotions of of defeat? Gotcha, gotcha. Now the all important question. Yep. If you had to say today. If Urban Meyer is going to be last past one season, what would you say? Well, I say this, as I said earlier, man. I mean, Urban Meyer has never had a losing season in, in 17 years as a head coach. He's never lost. Uh, said, he never lost back to back. I don't believe he never lost the first two games of a season. He's already done that. I feel that if if Urban feels and he'd do a whole lot of soul searching, but if the Urban feel that he can't turn this program around in a year, it, it, it may, he may not be he back here for a second year. I mean, everything you know, when Shad Khan hired him, he hired him to change the 
the culture of this franchise, you know. And if Urban lose, if they go 0-17, uh, I mean, I feel that, you know, everything is good. If, if they win four or five games, I mean, I think that's, a, you know, that's better than what they were last season, you know. But if this team finished like two-win season and, and all that kind of stuff, I, I really think you have to monitor whether or not he he want to be back for that. I mean, I don't think he's in here for a four-year rebuild and don't see any results after two, three seasons. I mean, you know, pride is a is a wonderful thing, Mike. Mike, pride, pride from a guy who's won everything, you know, in college. And also, when you look at pride, you look at a guy, hey, he don't really need this job. <laughs> he, he can go back and go work for Fox Studio and then, and, and don't even have to deal with that stress, you know. But I, I really feel that um, there there's a lot of things going on here. I mean, I, I think the, I think he thought that Daryl Bevel would be a better play caller. I, I, I think defensively wise, they, you know, eight quarters they don't have a takeaway. I thought that he brought in some. Um, he's leaning heavily on, on guys with the NFL experience as coaches and. And, you know, there's been some rough conversations in those closed doors. So I think if if he doesn't feel that he can turn this around, I don't think he's going to wait three years to make that call. So my decision is this. If he goes – if he doesn't win more than three games, then I think you have to really take in consideration will he stick around after this season. I, I believe that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you know, I had the, the, the Urban Meyer talk was, was hot. So, you know, I had to come to you, uh, John. I had definitely had to come to you and, uh, and, and ask us some questions to see what was going on down there and what the feel is down there. I thank you again for uh, coming on. And uh, if you want to tell everyone uh, what you have going on and where they can find you. Well, you can find me at um, on Jacksonville.com. I wrote a story about Kyler Murray that's on that site right now. And, um, we, you know, we, we, we get an opportunity to speak with um, Trevor Lawrence on Wednesdays and just wrote a story about what it takes to, to improve. You know, what are the things he's got to do? What are the things they got to make him be successful from a play calling standpoint? But uh, you can catch me on John Reed at 64 on Twitter. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you again for your time. This has been Touring the AFC South with your host. Mike Patton, we're out.